From the Financial Times in London, I'm Patrick Jenkins, the FT's financial editor, and this is FT News. Gary Cohn, the former number two at Goldman Sachs, has been given the job of unwinding the financial regulation that's been put in place in the US over the past few years. Well, I'm joined by our US banking editor, Ben McClanahan, and our guest from Better Markets, the think tank, Dennis Kelleher, to talk about the implications of a banker being put in charge of deregulation. Ben, is this not an egregious example of a fox being put in charge of the hen house? Yeah, it's easy to characterise it that way. Gary Cohen was co-president and co-COO of Goldman Sachs from 2006, and he had the roles to himself from 2010, so you could say he had a ringside seat throughout the years around the crisis. He also sat on that credit committee at Goldman Sachs, so he would have had a hand in approving some of those dubious deals that got the bank into some trouble. He was also promoted to that co-president role from the Securities Trading Division, where he was co-head. So he does share a measure of the blame for some of those deals, like Timberwolf, where Goldman was accused of profiting at its client's expense. But in his defence, I suppose you could say he's quite a pragmatic guy, so you shouldn't assume he's naturally leaning one way or the other. He's changed his political spots in the past, for example. He backed Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in 2007 and 2008. And latterly, of course, he's donated mostly to the Republicans, and that was the connection with Jared Kushner in particular that got him this job. And so far, at least in his public remarks, he's been pretty measured. And what elements of Dodd-Frank is Gary Cohn likely to focus on repealing? Well, hard to tell. In his limited media interviews so far, he's talked in general terms about relaxing restrictions on lending. That's, of course, very common language at this point, I suppose. But people who know him suggest he'll be focusing, in the short term at least, on a couple of things. That's the stress tests and the resolution plans. The stress tests in particular have been a real bugbear for the likes of Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, I suppose, B of A, and all the big guys, really. Some other things, perhaps the Volcker rule, the banks say that started out sensible. It started as a measure to stop banks gambling shareholders' funds. But by the end, after four years of toing and froing, it was way too complex, they say. And Jamie Dimon, the head of J.P. Morgan Chase, has that famous quote about needing a psychiatrist to divine the intent behind a trade. Is it really market making or some sneaky bet on the direction of prices? Do you think there are any elements of Dodd-Frank that some bankers would like to see maintained? Yeah, I think this is an interesting one, because uh, in their public statements, the bankers say that Dodd-Frank has been a pretty good thing on balance. It's forced them to hold much more capital than they had going into the last crisis. It's made their assets on the balance sheets much more liquid. And uh, on the liability side, they have much fewer short-term liabilities now. So that means that their ability to withstand shocks to the system and bank-run-like scenarios is much greater. But I think there are one or two controversial aspects of Dodd-Frank that I think will be preserved in spite of the bank's attempts to get rid of them. I think the best example is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. That was the brainchild of Liz Warren. And that's been a real thorn in the side of the banks, particularly the retail-focused banks over the last five or six years. But they're going to push for uh, some changes structurally to the way the CFPB goes about its business. They want to move from a sole head to a commission structure, like the SEC or the CFTC, that's with appointees from both sides of the aisle. They also want to have the CFPB compete for funding through the normal congressional process, rather than getting an automatic handout from the Fed. And combined, those two measures should have the effect of neutering the CFPB to some extent. And finally, Ben, Gary Cohn's stature in the White House, how central will he be to the whole White House agenda? That's the big question. The job he's got, that's Director of the National Economic Council, that's historically subordinate to the Treasury Secretary. 
I think it's clear already that Gary Cohn's emerging as the point man for financial reform and could well have a big role to play in other reform efforts affecting other sectors. The most interesting question, I think, is the extent to which he could counter Donald Trump's protectionist instincts. At Goldman, there was a speech just a few months ago. He was down in Miami, and we had a reporter there and recorded him telling all his listeners how Goldman was hiring thousands of tech people out in Bangalore and wanted to hire, you know, hundreds more and replacing all the marginal roles with guys out there because, he says, they work for cents on the dollar compared to people in the US. And that kind of language, of course, is not exactly music to the ears of people like Steve Bannon or Stephen Miller or Peter Navarro, all these Trump advisors, or even Wilbur Ross, who's the nominee for Commerce Secretary. So if Gary Cohen really believes that, he may have to rein it in a bit in his new role. Well, we're joined now by Dennis Kelleher from the Better Markets organisation in the US, Dennis, your organisation is a think tank, I suppose, but you also campaign for better regulation. With that in mind, what do you think of the former number two at Goldman Sachs now being in charge of the deregulatory process in the US? Well, apart from the irony that candidate Trump attacked Wall Street and Goldman Sachs in particular, and even used the picture of the CEO of Goldman Sachs in his closing commercial as one of the people responsible for inflicting massive economic damage on the hardworking Americans who are still suffering from the financial crash and the economic calamity it caused. We'll leave that irony, if not despicable conduct aside, the difference between candidate Trump and President Trump. But putting Goldman Sachs number two in charge of the National Economic Council and the National Economic Policy of the United States with special emphasis on financial deregulation is a folly that will be historic in years to come. And the reason for that is is financial reform was designed to prevent the biggest banks in the world like Goldman Sachs and Citigroup and J.P. Morgan from crashing the global economy again, which is what they did in 2008, because they were deregulated and they were allowed to engage in reckless and often illegal conduct, which caused massive risk to build up in the global financial system caused an economic calamity, the economic consequences of which are still being suffered throughout the United States and the entire globe. And Gary Cohen knows better, and nonetheless, he is leading the charge to deregulate the biggest banks once again, which will unleash them again on the global financial system with likely disastrous consequences. What areas in particular do you think he may focus on and are you particularly worried about? You know, where are the biggest dangers that could blow up the world for a second time? Well, he has mentioned a number of areas which are the pillars that have been put in place to prevent another crash. So, for example, they have talked about reducing capital, liquidity, derivatives regulation, the Volcker Rule, and other aspects of financial reform. And let me just mention, you know, financial reform was really the re-regulation of Wall Street's biggest banks. People forget, but after the Great Depression in the 1930s, heavy, extensive rules were put on finance throughout the globe. And finance was regulated more during the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, more heavily than at any time in history. And yet, 
we had a thriving, growing middle class. We had a thriving, growing economy. And even finance did very well during those years under the heaviest regulation in history. And what happened in the 80s and 90s is finance was deregulated, ultimately completely deregulated around 2000. And therefore, it only took them about seven years to blow up the global economy after being regulated and no crashes for more than 70 years. So financial reform starting in 2010 re-regulated the industry and required them to have more capital and more liquidity. And that meant that they could withstand economic and financial shocks without needing bailouts from taxpayers. Financial reform also required the regulation of derivatives, which is one of the things the biggest banks used to make big high-risk bets. And that's great if they win their bets because then they get big bonuses. But if they lose their bets, then the banks go bankrupt and taxpayers have to step in, as they had to throughout the U.K. and in the United States. And they're going after all of those rules. Another one is the so-called Volcker Rule. And what the Volcker Rule does is it says the biggest banks cannot bet their money to hit big bonuses because they're backed by the taxpayers. And they're saying you can't use taxpayer-backed deposits to place big bets so that you can get big bonuses. It's kind of like saying to your neighbor, take my credit card and go to the local casino. And if you win, you get to keep all the money. But if you lose, I'll pay the bill. Well, of course, you've just incentivized your neighbor to make the biggest bets possible. And that's what the biggest banks in the globe did leading up to the 2008 crash. That's what the Volcker Rule, derivatives regulation, capital and liquidity requirements are all meant and designed to prevent them from doing again. You mentioned the last of the deregulation happened in 2000. There was a seven-year period then before the crash, essentially. Another seven or eight years have gone on post-crisis of the regulatory phase from 2010 to now. Are we on this new seven-year cycle? In other words, by 2024, can you see the next crash happening? Well, the risk that we have now with Gary Cohen and Goldman Sachs and Wall Street driving financial deregulation for the Trump administration is that they're going to roll back those reforms. And if they do only half of what they have said they're going to do, then the odds of another financial crash are almost certain and almost certainly sooner rather than later. And what's worst of all, Patrick, the next financial crash will likely be much, much worse than the one in 2008 where we just barely avoided a second Great Depression, the odds are actually quite high that if we have another crash in the near to medium term, that we will end up inflicting a second Great Depression on the people of the world because the political and economic and financial capacity of the governments in the world to respond to another crash are greatly diminished than they were in 2008 because the financial and economic system have not had time to rebuild themselves. We need a good 10 or 20 years before the financial and economic and political system will have the capacity to again deal with a financial crash. So they are really playing with fire by deregulating precipitously and without any basis. They have virtually no data or evidence or an actual basis 
actually doing what they're claiming they're doing, other than Wall Street's favorite talking points, which they've used for decades and have been proved to be false. This is an abridged version of the FT's Banking Weekly podcast, which you can download from ft.com slash podcasts. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.